Welcome to the Dwellings Podcast. We're glad you tuned in. Enjoy this message by Pastor Gunnar. We've been in a series through the book of Ephesians over the last few months now. And we've been talking about what it looks like to carry His glory. What it looks like to be glory carriers in every aspect of life. And there's something that must happen before we are entrusted with the more that God wants to pour out on us. Now, I'm not preaching to any other church in Savannah because the Lord's put me right here. And so what what I'm saying this morning is for this house, for every person who calls the dwelling home, and I'm preaching this to myself as well. There are some things that must die in our lives if we're going to be trusted with what he wants to give us as a church. I've been talking this thing of like, listen, we're not the only church that's got it going on. We're far from it. But we can be a catalyst for what God wants to do in a city. And I'm all for that. And everybody wants life. And everybody wants revival and renewal and restoration. And everybody wants such city changed and all that stuff. Everybody wants that. But the question is, the real question, the deeper question, the more important question is, what are we willing to pay? Are we willing to live the sacrificial life that's required of us in order to carry the glory to our city that he's called us to carry. And so if I had to title this, it would be prerequisites for life. And the prerequisite for life is death. In the natural, a prerequisite for death is life. You have to be living before you can die, right? In the kingdom... You have to die before you can live. There is no resurrection without a crucifixion. There was no crucifixion without a garden. What did Jesus say in the garden? Not my will, but yours be done. That's where it was settled. Not my will, but yours be done. So there are four things that's got to die for us to move forward. And if we're going from glory to glory, it's going to require the death of these things. I know you're so excited about this. Because you will have to die today. You have to respond to the word of the Lord. And you will. It's either a yes or a no. (laughs) You say, is that Gunner up there? This is not like Gunner. I'm telling you, this is a big day. It's one of those days where the children of Israel stood for Moses. And Moses says, hey, choose this day whom you will serve. I've set before you life and death. So four things that must die in my personal life, in your life, in our homes, 
and in our house, in our church family, in order for us to be the ones who carry his glory and change a city. Okay, that's the assignment. Number one is this, control. Control must die. Attempting to control outcomes, attempting to control uh, circumstances, people, it's a futile attempt. And it will be fruitful in no way. All it will do is wear you out. All it will do is discourage you, disappoint you, burn you out. Much of the self-help kind of stuff that's going around these days, self-care and all that stuff, I'm all for it. I'm the first person in the counselor's office. I'm the first person to the, well, on to the dentist. <laughs> kind of takes me a while to get to that one. <laughs> but I'm the first person to say, go get you some therapy. Go get you a Christian counselor with a biblical worldview and get some help. I've been there. I've done that. I'm still doing it from time to time because we need that stuff. But I think what we can do is we can burn out, but unless we know why we're burning out, we won't get restored. And the reason why so many people in the church are burning out is because we kind of try to control everything. And if you try to control everything, it will burn you out because you can't do it. It's impossible. So we try to control our circumstances. The best way to lose control is to try to control everything. So don't, Lower your expectations. Just don't be married to your expectations, right? Don't like, don't say it's got to be this way and it can't be any other way. No, being flexible and, and releasing control is sometimes the best thing you can do in your life. So we try to control outcomes. We try to control people. I'm going to set somebody free today and say, it is not your job to change anybody. In case you didn't hear, I'm going to stand over here. I'm going to say, it is not your job to change anybody. It's not my job to change anybody. I've tried it. How about you? Did it work? <laughs> it makes for an unhappy marriage. It makes for unhealthy kids, unhealthy relationships, broken relationships. And then... This sounds funny, but it's true. We try to control God. Nobody'd say they try to do that, but we do. Every move of God throughout history, and I've studied all the ones I know about, every one of them, there was a temptation to shut it down because it was different than what we've always experienced. And even a generation that comes through revival, when the next wave of revival comes, the older generation looks at the new thing and says, no, wait, wait, that's not what God did. That can't be God because it doesn't look like what I know. Yeah. Control will shut a work of God down. And so the last thing I want to be is a controlling pastor. And this morning was, I'm telling you, like, that is what we're going to do. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to stop a service. 
for what God is doing because I'm not in control of this thing. I'm not trying to, I'm, I'm gonna just keep my hands off of that, okay? And I hope you're okay with that because that's what's gonna happen. In 2020, okay, so if you don't know the history of the dwelling, I'm gonna try to make this as quick as I can today, but God's just, he just gotta, just run by KFC, picnic. So we planted this church in 2018, January 21st, 2018, AMC Theater on the south side. We'll, we'll, popcorn and Skittles on our shoes when we left. And, um, and God did amazing things there. And then three years in was 2020. Uh, March the 15th was our last service in that movie theater because COVID hit and all our lives changed as we knew it. And uh, it was during that year that the Lord shook me and rattled me and shook everything Gunner out of me. Well, he's not done doing that yet, but a lot of Gunner got out of me that year. A lot of fear got out of me that year. COVID was the least of my problems. Everything that could be shaken was shaken. And do you know what happened? The Lord kept saying a word to me. He said, release, release. I'm not a controlling person. I've never seen myself as a controlling person like, uh, you do this, no, you're not doing that right, let me do, you know, I'm just not that person. If anything, I'm more, <laughs> I'm way hands off. But what was happening in my life is, okay, I've obeyed God, we planted this church, and I can't take my hands off because it might fail. And we might not do it right. And if I let it slip, then it'll be my fault. And people will suffer because we didn't do this right. And all the lies that came in my head. And the year 2020 was this for me. God, I don't know. I don't even know what's coming. And that's where we want to grip even tighter. Is the unknown. release. Because the reason that we kind of try to control the root of it is fear. The reason you want to control your husband is because you, you just fear their rejection. The reason you want to try to control your kids is because you fear they're going to walk away. You fear they're going to do something, make a bad decision. And so you think it's our responsibility to keep our hands around people's necks so that they'll behave or so that they won't misstep. How many know God does not lead us that way? He does not lead us with, a, with shackles. He leads us by his hand. He leads us with his eye. Scripture says. You ever had somebody you're really close to go, like that, and you know exactly what they were talking about? That's how God wants to lead you. He doesn't want to come over here and wrap you up and kicking and screaming and drag you into this thing that he's calling you into. He doesn't want you doing that to people in your life either. He wants to lead you with his eye. 1 John four eighteen says, There's no fear in love, but perfect love casts it out. For fear has nothing to do 
or has to do with punishment. And whoever fears has not been perfected in love. God help us be perfected in love. The cure for fear is perfect love. What's the replacement for control? Instead of controlling, what do we do? We trust. Where I'm the most controlling in my life, whether it's circumstances or people, I have the least trust that he can do it. So, control, everybody say control's gotta die. Number two, offense must die. Offense, Hebrews 12, 14 through 15. Strive for peace with everyone and for holiness without which no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble. And by it, many become defiled. And y'all know it was going to be a good Sunday. I got the whiteboard up here. Let no root of bitterness. This is wobbly. I don't write that bad. It's the wobbly board. There's a downward spiral that happens with this root of bitterness. And it begins with unchecked pride in our hearts. I'm telling you this. Do you know where I got this chart from? I didn't get it from a cute thing. I got it from the Lord giving me a word from himself for my life. Gunner, you know why you're bitter? Because there's a spiral that you headed down a long time ago and it started with unchecked pride. That's why we pray, Lord, search my heart and know me. See if there's any wicked way in me. Unchecked pride leads to something called Entitlement. An entitlement is an inward expression of I deserve something that God has not given me. Because, and again, control slips into this because we don't trust God to provide. We don't, we don't believe that he's rich in mercy. And so entitlement says I don't have all I need. I deserve, and you can fill in the blank with anything and everything. You've been there, I've been there. Entitlement blinds you. Well, we should be doing this. I should have this. Even if we would not say it, it's the heart attitude, and it stems from pride. Pride leads to entitlement. And the only way offense gets into our lives is because we feel entitled. And so that's the next thing. The offense happens. It's something that happens in our life. And any other time, it could have just happened and it's water off a duck's back, except for the heart it landed on. It might not be a big deal to you in any other season of your life, but in an entitled season where you've let pride go unchecked, Offense rests. It has a place to land. An offense is an inside job, but it doesn't stay there because we haven't even got the bitterness yet. Let no root of bitterness spring up, defiling many. So unchecked pride leads to entitlement. Offense leads to resentment. Resentment, I say, you know what? 
I don't like that she said that. I don't like her. <laughs> now you've taken a circumstance and you've let it wedge itself into a relationship. And now you can't be in unity with a person over something that happened, but it's not about the situation. Because if our heart was right, we wouldn't have carried that offense in the first place, and now we wouldn't have resentment. Resentment is personal. Bitterness is where it becomes pervasive. My unchecked pride led to an entire heart. That circumstance created an offense. I carried it. Now I have resentment. And now everybody that talks to me or says anything that reminds me of this, they're in my target too. Letting a root of bitterness spring up. And that's not where it starts because you think, what, what, does it, what does it matter if I'm mad at somebody? What does it matter if I don't get my heart right with those brothers and sisters in Christ and the body of Christ? It matters because bitterness does not stay inside. Bitterness leaks. What you carry, you will release. What you carry, you will release. And what it looks like, it says defiling many. So there's a, there's, a, there's a personal, and then there's a bitterness is pervasive. And then what it looks like when it defiles many, it looks like slander and accusation. And I'll tell you this. I've never heard slander and accusation with the preface, okay, hold up, I'm about to slander somebody. <laughs> Do you know what I often hear prefacing slander and accusation? I've been praying. Jesus. Or, I'm concerned about, I'm really worried about her because, because then we put this church language on it, and y'all, I'm telling you, we ought to be shaking in our boots when we do that. That's a scary place to be. And what makes it worse is that in a culture where this is completely normal, social media, I would even say probably 50%, if not more, of everything posted on social media would fall under the category of slander and accusation. It's not I'm sharing my opinion, it's I'm smearing someone or some group of someones. And it's got to stop in the body of Christ. The world can do that if they want to, but in the kingdom, the kingdom way, the way of Jesus is different. And I'm telling you, in the days ahead, it will look dramatically different from the world. As the lines get blurred, your friendships, your family, the lines, Jesus said, I came not to bring peace, but a sword. You said, that doesn't sound like Jesus. What he means though, is as you walk with me, there will be these moments of separation where people will not walk with you anymore. You walk with Jesus, I hope all your friends come with you, but probably they won't. 
I hope your family follows Jesus with you, but a lot of times they won't. But as normal as this is, we have to stand out. We've been called to more. But it's not a just of what I post. It's not about what I say. It goes up yes. to here. We got to deal with this. The church, what I hear a lot, just the church, big church, capital C, is I hear a lot of entitlement. I hear a lot of entitlement. And I hear a lot of fear, which leads to control. And instead of taking it to the Lord and trusting him, we think we can, we can handle this. But when it doesn't go like we want to, we get offended and we resent and then we get bitter and then slander and accuse. And you know, there's someone in the Bible that actually, that's part of his name. Do you know who that is? The accuser of the brethren, Satan himself. I don't know that I want to be in partnership with that. There's a better way. There's a better way. Offense is just not, it's not just personal relationships either. It goes back to the thing that I was talking about, about how the Lord works. I sat in a service in Nashville, Tennessee in 2015. And I had never been in a worship service like that in my life. It was wild. Some of y'all, this is wild for you. That's okay, I get it. Because there were flags, there was people running, hollering. I mean, I'm like, what is happening right now? It was really loud, it's really wild. And I'm thinking, is this God? Because listen, it's not what I thought he was. Because my expression of worship wasn't as exuberant. <laughs> and so I thought, that can't be God because that doesn't look like what I do. In every move of God, and I've studied everyone I know about, there's always a fence because it doesn't look like what we think it ought to look like. It doesn't come to the people who we think it ought to come to. And I'm telling you, the established church, for the most part, has missed every revival that has come on the face of the earth because we thought it was gonna look like something, and when it didn't, we carried that offense and even started to attack the work of God. I don't wanna be there. So I must check my heart all the time. God, I don't know what to think about this. I've never seen this before. I don't know what's happening. This makes me uncomfortable. That's a good thing. You say, well, if it's weird, it can't be God. Have you read your Bible? <laughs> I mean, the very man that we chose to follow spit on the ground, made him a little mud pie and slapped it in a blind man's eyes and healed him. 
God is weird by human standards. Don't let weird be the test. Let the fruit be the test. Here's the challenging thing. Is any time in a move of God and revival, there are gonna be things that make you extremely uncomfortable because they're out of your comfort zone. They're out of your knowledge zone. You don't have a grid for it. The miraculous doesn't fit in our little nice grid and our little nice thing that we've made in church. You know, where everything's supposed to be just like this. It don't work like that. So the danger is rejecting all of it or maybe we just wait in the, in the tension of the moment until the fruit shows up. Yeah. God's done some things to me that didn't look like God. And I've had people say, there's a season coming in your life where you're gonna say, this is not God, but it is. And when I got through that season, I believed it was, but when I was going through it, I was like, this is the devil. But sometimes pruning and the discipline of the Lord we blame it on the wrong person. I've known people that, I mean, like they come in a worship service or something at the altar and you're like, what is going on? That can't be God. That's just too weird. And then three months later, their marriage is restored and they're walking in identity and they're walking in the fullness of God. And you think, what happened? That made no sense, but something happened. I'm telling you, don't let offense be the test. Don't let weird be the test. Don't let different be the test. Let fruit be the test. And if I've got an apple tree and I just plant it, it's going to be a few years before I see some fruit. Don't be so quick to judge what is God and what is not. Criticism must die. Matthew 7, 1 through 5, judge not that you be not judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. This is Jesus. He says, why do you see that speck in your brother's eye, but not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me, let me get that speck for you. When you got a big old, can you, I love Jesus. <laughs> I just love him. Brother, I think you need some help. And you got like a huge log sticking out of your eye. Jesus said, uh, first, you need to go home and look in the mirror. Get that log out. And then maybe you might could come back. Because you know what, what happens? Is you get that log out. That takes a lot of humility. And that's what I'm talking about, God breaking some things. God wants to, God wants to, to, to just show a picture of yourself to you in the mirror today and realize that there's just logs hanging out. And we're trying to, spec, we're trying to pick specks out of eyes. And the Lord, it's this humbling process of, no, the Lord says, let me get that log out of your eye. So that when I get through, you're so humbled and filled with love for people. It's not with a critical spirit that you're trying to get specks. It's out of pure love. And it's perfected love and it's casted out fear. A lot of the speck picking we do is control. And it's because we're fearful of what that person's gonna do because that speck in their eye. Or how that looks. How does that look for our church? That person's walking around with a speck in their eye. 
Jesus said, get the log out. Get the log out. Criticism must die. My friend, Carrie Lloyd, she said, sometimes the most critical people are the people who are the most critical of themselves. It's time for self-criticism to die. It's time to start believing what God says about you rather than what your thoughts say about you. It's time to start looking in the mirror in the morning and seeing yourself like God sees you rather than the labels that have put, been put on you. And you're just carrying lies about yourself and it's time to stop. You cannot carry the glory of God like he wants you to carry it for a, your home and for a city if you are criticizing yourself all the time. So introspective about, oh, woe is me and everything. Believe who you are. Walk in repentance. Don't ignore your sin. Grace, he's rich in mercy to snatch you out of your sin and walk in freedom. Don't stay in the pit. When God's promised a palace to you, this is, you are sons and daughters of the living God. This is not this false grace stuff of like, just, hey, Jesus died for you, just live how you want to. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying, walk away from your sin and walk into something better with Jesus because it's available. All right. Ephesians 4.29, let no corrupt talk come out of your mouths. Your mama probably quoted that to you when you said that cuss word. Boy, you better not let no corrupt talk come out of your mouth. But listen, but only such as is good for building up. I don't know if he's talking about cussing right here. I think he's talking about words that tear down. And just because they're not in the room, doesn't give us the freedom to say what we feel. Sometimes spiritual maturity looks like a zipper. <laughs> and then the last thing is this. Lauren, y'all can come on up because this is it. But this is the biggie and it's the shortest one. Y'all feeling all right? Fear of man must die. Every move of God, and I've studied everyone I know about, has been followed by slander and accusation. And I just want to give a disclaimer that what we're praying for and what we're going after might mean that we're misunderstood it might mean that you're misunderstood. If you follow Jesus, there will be misunderstanding with people. Because how can you understand something you've not experienced? And so we slip into the fear of man because, wait a minute, if I follow Jesus, what will people think? Y'all remember the old song when I, when I was in youth group? What will people think if they hear that I'm a Jesus freak? Do y'all remember that stuff? It's a reality. It's like, do, do I really, am I really willing to pay the price to not hear the applause of people? I will never forget these words. I was sitting in a church in Montgomery, Alabama, 
a Reformed Baptist church in Montgomery, Alabama. And there was a Sunday night service and they were installing the new deacons. And the pastor said something and I will never forget it. He said, man, I want you to look at me. When you serve God, you get your calling from God and you get your thanks from God. And if you go looking for thanks from anybody else, here's what's gonna happen. <laughs> Let that settle. You get your calling from God and you get your thanks from God. Proverbs 29, 25, the fear of man lays a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is safe. You know what the replacement for the fear of man is? The fear of the Lord. That's the words of Jesus. Do we know what that means? The fear of God. It's the reverence for who He is. And knowing who we are in Him shouldn't set us free to live like we want to. It should set us free to live like He wants us to. Do we see how rich in mercy He is? And it brings us low. It brings us lower and lower and lower. The more we know who He is, the more we discover of His beauty, of His goodness, of His kindness, of His holiness, of His righteousness. The, the, that's the cure for this. If you get in God's presence every day, it will push pride out of you. It will squeeze it right out. Walking with Jesus is more than just words. It is walking with Him in relationship and with His presence. And entitlement, offense, resentment, bitterness, all of that stuff has no room when we are filling ourselves with who He is. If I'm full of the fear of the Lord, I won't fear people. And you won't either. Let's all stand our feet. So here's the simple call to re repentance today and obedience. And honestly, this looks different for probably every person in this room. What does it look like for you to die to control today? What does it look like for you to die to control and actually start trusting Jesus with your family. Start trusting Jesus with your finances. Start trusting Jesus with your relationships, with that job. What does it look like personally for you? I'm just not asking the question. I want you to answer it in your life right now with the Lord. You talk to Him about this. What does it look like to die to control and to say yes to trust? What does it look like to die to offense in your life right now? You're exchanging something with the Lord right now. Saying, Lord, I die to control, I die to, to offense, and I am picking up forgiveness. The grace to forgive and to walk in forgiveness. And some of you, it looks like something when you walk out of here, you can't just say, well, I died to offense today and keep walking in offense. You gotta go forgive. 
and you gotta go have the conversation and you gotta go make it right. Did I tell you you're gonna have to die today? This isn't easy, but it's vital. It's essential to go on with God, to move forward. So I'm dying to control. I'm dying to offense. I'm dying to criticism. I'm pledging, Lord, by your grace that I will not try to fix others and nitpick, nit, what's that word? Nitpick others. But I will get with you and I will get in the secret place with you and I'll let you speak to me about my issues and I won't wallow in my issues and my self-pity, but I will turn from my sin and I will walk with you and I will walk in my identity and I will work on me. And then, Lord, we're dying today from the fear of man, and we fear you more than anybody else, Lord. And God forbid it come to the day where we're required to choose between this earthly life and following Jesus, God, that we would be faithful in that moment. And that we'd say, Lord, there's nothing as valuable and as worthy as you are. And I, I willingly lay down my life for the gospel. God, we're so far from that place. Will you get us there? Will you get us there? Will you do in our hearts what we need? We need your grace. Here's what I know with all, with all my heart. If we'll do this, we'll die there's life and when I say that I don't even know what that looks like but I want it I want everything God has for us how about you I know you've done business with God but let's just close this way maybe just lift your hands to the Lord and we just make a fresh commitment as a family as a house to walk in consistent daily obedience and repentance to these things so that we might walk in your life, Lord. We lay it down. And listen, if you've laid something down today, you're actually receiving something better. You're receiving life. You're receiving life. And so, Lord, I just bless every single person in this place, every family everyone watching online, that we would walk in sincerity and truth, that we would walk in the Spirit and not according to the flesh, that we would walk with the life, the abundant life, rivers of living water flowing out of us like you died for us to live, knowing that you're rich in mercy and everything that we need for obedience is available. It's available. If you agree, say amen. 
If you're going to walk it out, say amen. If you say, God, I need your grace to walk it out, say amen. Amen. Lord, we love you today. We thank you for your word that crushes, that breaks, but that heals and restores us. And Lord, we just thank you for grace to walk this out. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. See you. We hope you enjoyed this message. For more information, visit thedwellingchurch.org.